Welcome to Season 2 of the Gamers Change Lives Podcast. In Season 1, we learned about entrepreneurs and others around the world who were creating jobs and opportunities through esports. The one common theme throughout the season was that it takes money to create jobs and change lives. But let's face it, money can be hard to find, especially in some parts of the world, maybe in your part of the world. But this season, we are going to share stories from esports entrepreneurs in emerging markets and showcase how they found funding they need to be successful. We're also going to talk to investors in Africa, Asia, India, who have invested in esports and highlight the challenges that those markets face. In addition, we're going to talk about sponsors who provide funding to teams, tournament organizers, and streamers. Join us on this journey for Season 2 of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, aptly titled, Follow the Money. And now your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, as I always say, I'm not the expert. I'm more the explorer. The goal of the podcast is to talk to esports entrepreneurs and others around the world to learn how esports can create jobs, maybe inspire others to do just the same. Here in season two, we're talking to esports entrepreneurs and others to talk about um, uh, uh, revenue generating activities such as sponsorship or investment or media rights or streaming or merchandise, because it takes money to create jobs. So our tagline here is play games, create jobs, change lives. Today, I'm really happy to have two, two great guests here. Kieran Sanford, he's the co-founder of Fort Gamers Sake in London. Hey there. Hey there, Kieran. Hi. Yes, all good. You're set. How are you? Mark? Good, good. And you're, you're talking to us from London? Yes, I'm from London. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking right now from, from London. Yes, correct. Yeah, that's great. great. And our second guest is Bob Adium, and he is the manager of Solo Esport in Dakar, Senegal. Welcome, Baba. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. And where, are you are you speaking from Dakar? I'm speaking from Dakar. Just right back to Rabat. Came back from a summit, an esports summit. Yeah, definitely uh, speaking from Dakar. Great, great. Now we're going to be talking about that in just just a minute. So um, no, because I think you both have really interesting backgrounds for season two here at the podcast. But I thought maybe first we'll just talk about how you got into esports. It's always fun to hear how people got started in esports. If there's a PS one involved and. In, Things like that. So, so Kieran, how did you get started in esports? Uh, so, esports. So, I've been a gamer for as long as I remember. Uh, gaming for me was my escape growing up. Uh, I was quite fortunate to uh, able to. My parents got me a gaming console quite early, and I was so tuned into technology when it was there. And I started playing video games from an early age. Um, I think my first console was the PS One. What, but probably remember the PS Two more, um, as I was more on that. Um, and then, yeah, how I got into esports was I, I started a career in sales and recruitment. Um, and that was like sort of just sell, uh, working with candidates, managing talent. And I started to learn about the industry and went into game, looking at gaming and esports and being a big football fan. I started to see a lot of football clubs reach out to the space or start to do some stuff. So I was like, imagine bringing my two things together, being sport, football and gaming. Uh, how can I create something that, um, that sort of fills that void? Um, and then, yeah, as the industry progressed, I, um, I started working more in the industry with gaming and talent, um, and other, and other people in the industry. And then we, we got here today. So, um, that's sort of my, my story, just from a passion, really turning a passion into, to, to trying to create something that I think was needed for the industry. Can you describe in a little bit more detail? Cause I'm always really curious about when people were working in another, uh, another job, you know, working, you're doing different, something different. And they kind of turned the corner and said, hey, maybe I can make uh, a living in this esports thing. Yeah. Can you talk about what, what made you turn that corner? Uh, I think I was like, to be fair, I'm, I was used to like cold calling and, and sending cold emails and trying to make things happen on the recruit side. Where I was like, if I ex- use them resources in this industry, I just want to build relationships with, uh, with people. And um, the gaming industry, I started looking at LinkedIn. LinkedIn was a big thing for me as soon as I started. Um, and, and I just started to realize that actually, like, why would football clubs and why would sports not want to integrate with this new thing called esports? Because when it was in 2017, when I started, esports weren't really a thing. I used to kind of get laughed out the room when I used to bring it to meetings. Like, well, that will never be a thing. Do you know what I mean? And um, we start to see that it's that's changed massively. And esports has got to the level it has now and it has so much potential. So for me, it was just about how can I, I, I make, I saw a, a gap in the market and I said, how can I, how can I look at doing that? So 
just reached out to everyone I can and 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 it started to make sense that actually I can I can actually have a career in this and try build this into something special. Sounds great. Great. Hey Baba, how about you? What got you started in esports? Oh, thank you, Tom. So I think I start um, in, got interested on esports since I was a child because I was I think I believe that I was uh, always a gamer and I start playing when I was uh, seven. And I remember back in the days we were in Dakar in uh, nineteen uh, uh, nineteen ninety seven, and we were used to going to um, to um, uh, esports lounge gaming gaming lounge with my brother, my old brother, uh, and I think uh, we were playing uh, games like Mario Kart, Mora Comba, uh, GoldenEye, and Perfect Dark. Those games were popular, and those games was really, really, really uh, on the market at that time. And I remember that I was really, really a fan uh, of my big brother because he was really talented. He was destroying everybody in the, in the, in the gaming lounge, and yeah, it, 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 it started from that. And then after we, uh, my parents bought um, a computer, so we start uh, playing games on computer, got interest on it. And after we uh, used to go to cyber games, uh, it's uh, I'm talking about the 2000 year, the 2000s era, and um, we start going to uh, cyber games and found out that we can play online. Uh, using internet. So we start playing internet games, using some websites. And from that, we start downloading games also and uh, start playing games like GTA, like FIFA, like PS. And all these games was uh, truly good memories for real. And uh, the list can go on and on. And um, uh, before, I start, um, uh, before I start going to the university, uh, we had a small community and we start playing uh, games and start doing uh, what, what, what I can call LAN parties and um, using internet, uh, LAN connection to, to play games like Call of Duty and all these kind of games. And um, from that, we found out that there was a way to create an association and make sure that we can uh, maybe drain more people uh, on, on, on us and using social media. At that time, we were using Facebook. So go on Facebook, do some uh, research, and found out the gaming communities, bring more gamers, and create uh, good events. So at the very beginning, it was uh, small communities and small events. And from that, we decided to create an, asso- an association uh, named Send Games. And uh, uh, um, Send Games is the first national esports association in, uh, in Senegal, also a gaming association. And we'll keep going on, keep going on. And uh, we started looking for sponsors, and we found out that at that time, uh, the most dominant sports uh, were uh, was um, uh, the wrestling games, the wrestling, the Senegalese wrestling games, really popular with football. So we couldn't uh, manage to have sponsors uh, to support our event, so our, our event. So we decided to keep going on that way, making small events, all this kind of stuff. And when I came back from university, I decided to get interest on esports. And I'm talking about the 2015s. And uh, since then, I start having some visibility on uh, how esports were going in, in Africa. So in Ghana, Nigeria, South Africa, and in Morocco. And we found out that there were a lot of activities. There were a lot of events, great events and big events. And we start thinking about making this kind of event. So we were collaborating with different brands, uh, different, uh, uh, different uh, companies to, to, to make it right, to make it great. But still, uh, we were struggling before because having sponsors in Senegal is really tough. And um, uh, when we started uh, having great talents on FIFA, especially the Dex Brothers, we decided to move them to uh, to, to different co- to, to different um, countries and make sure that they will take part to this, uh, these these uh, esports events. And from that, we uh, we will be sure that we can maybe uh, create some. Uh, Visibility, people can know more about esports in, in Senegal and, and, and discover that there, there, there's talent inside. So it all starts from there, and uh, it all starts from there. And uh, from that, we uh, decided to create an, a club and an esports club. And uh, we knew that uh, if we start this club, if we start doing the promotion of the club and we start recruiting great players, it can help us like grow faster. So uh, basically, that's all about my stories about how I got into gaming and esports. Well, one of the things I always hear from so many people here, and, and YouTube in particular, you saw a need and you went to fill it. It's like no one was like inviting you to go do this. No one's saying, oh, you, you know, here's the roadmap. Go follow this roadmap and go do it. Instead, most of the people we talk to on here, they're doers. It's like this needed to be, we, 
we identified something that needed to happen. And so, so we went out there and did it. So Kieran, what's the, what's the status do you think of esports in the UK these days? Is it, is it uh, expanding there? Uh, yeah, for sure. It is expanding. I think um, lockdown done a lot of like the lockdown sort of being in your house and stuff done had a, had a lot of positives on the gaming industry and it really made people understand. See, um, uh, there weren't many positives to take from that whole thing, but I think gaming was one where people really understood how much uh, they play video games. Um, I think there's certain, it was a bit of a positives and negatives from what was taken because you've got to think uh, traditional esports events in stadiums and in, in like doing events was on hold due to it. And I think that held back the industry massively because if we want to really be reckoned and really recognised as a, as a real sport, um, I know some countries class esports a real sport and it should be totally that. But I think um, it's, it's, it's the events. I think events are really going to power us through. I said the money is coming through. The sponsorships are coming through. But I think events in stadiums where it attracts a real audience is what's going to make us really um, is really going to battle against traditional sports like football and, 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 other, and other sports. So we're seeing some great events come up recently, but we need more of them. Um, but from a UK perspective, we, we are behind. Um, it, you look at Europe and, and you look at America and, and there's certain avenues we are behind. But I can see us as an industry as a whole in this country really making a, a really growth spell um more degrees undergraduate qualifications going into our colleges and and universities and, and stuff like that so i think the the appetite is here for the uk and and i think we definitely uh want to keep building on that infrastructure but um i think we've got a long way to go um and a lot more education just like what you do tom bringing on on, on guests to really talk their insights i think that really helps people really position um in their country how esports looks for the future yeah yeah i, I appreciate that Baba, you mentioned something about going to Morocco, and that's what I saw recently, that you made a trip to, to uh, Casablanca, I think it was. Can you talk a little bit more about what the trip was about and what you did there? Yeah, sure. I got an invitation, an invitation um, uh, from the Royal Federation, the Royal Esports Federation of Morocco. Um, uh, the, the short context, uh, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. So um, uh, in the last uh, two years, uh, Morocco was just establishing an, an, a, a Royal Federation, um, uh, driven by the, by, the, by the King of Morocco. And uh, they, uh, they decide to create uh, big structures that can like uh, federate all the, the esports structures association in, in Morocco and create one great entity that can uh, voila, operate every esports activity. So um, from these two years, there was always uh, doing events in their country because Morocco is big, probably one of the biggest countries in Africa. And um, uh, uh, in the end of 2022, they decide to invite experts uh, from different continents, from different regions, and especially in France, because in France you have a lot of structures, a lot of, lot of great, uh, great company on esports. And they decide also to invite uh, people from Africa. Uh, it can be entrepreneurs or it can be uh, association or federation. Because they do believe that we need to unify, we need to be one, and we need to be work together on how we can build a, a strong uh, confederation, maybe uh, about um, uh, confederation, esports e confederation for for Africa. So they invite me and Sidik Bakayoko and and all these uh, great 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 name in in um, in um, uh, in the in the world. So uh, they invite also the 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 the, the creator, the founder of. Um, the founder of tournament. I don't know if you know the platform tournament and, um, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and the event was um, uh, powered by Webeja. I don't know if you're familiar with Webeja. There is a big production entity in, in France. They have TVs. They, they do streaming. They do a lot of stuff. And also they do um, events. They organize events. And um, uh, it was also uh, an opportunity for them to present us uh, what we call in French La Cité du Gaming, like the city of gaming, because they uh, have nominated a city named Rabat. Uh, uh, it's uh, one hour from uh, Casablanca, the capital. And uh, Hey, hey what, what, are the, what are the great things? The, the one time that I was in Morocco, we were staying in Rabat, and we, got to, we were going to go to Casablanca just for the day, just because that's all the time we had. So we got to go to the train station in Rabat, and we got to order, a, uh, we got to go to the ticket counter and, and get a ticket to Casablanca. And if you're just like a huge movie fan here, in order to get a ticket to go to Casablanca, it was a big deal to us. So I know exactly where you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. So they decide to nominate Rabat as the, 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 the let, let me call the city of gaming in, in Morocco. So uh, 
uh, their federation are, are collaborating with the Ministry of Youth, and the Ministry of Youth decided to inject budget and to invite all the investors from, uh, from uh, inv- investors company from, uh, from Morocco to, in, to invest and create uh, a strong ecosystem of, uh, of, of esports and gaming. So they are planning to do a lot of stuff. And also they decide to invite us to talk about esports in Africa, the impact, the, the context, what we're living uh, for a day, how we organize our events. And I think it was a great opportunity. So um, we went there two days and we were discussing about esports, networking and all this kind of stuff. And it was really interesting. No, that, that sounds great. Kieran, in the UK, is the government um, part of the... Of the um esports industry the way it is there it sounds like it is in morocco um not as much as as as, as we'd hope but i imagine that all that will change as as we progress um i think it's been a lot of organizations coming together um outside of of the government to really try power and, and make things happen um so not so much that i know from the from the government themselves i've had conversations with with the, with like the government and and certain parts of of that area um, like the digital side and um, and stuff like that, but um, I've not seen nothing huge from them um, or anything like that um, has that that really committed their plans to esports just yet. But um, I think it's only a matter of time until that changes. As a lot of schools and and stuff are starting to adopt it into their curriculum. I tell you, there there there's so many. Things. I could go on and on here because Kieran, you're talking about education, which I just think is really really interesting. And Bobby, you're talking about the government, and it's we could keep going down those roads. But I want to get back to you the things that, that eventually that first got us here. So, Kieran, I want to talk a little bit about For Gamers' Sake, what the organization is, because I really like your tagline, bringing the community together through gaming. I mean, that, that sounds like it could be a Gamers Change Lives tagline. So, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, could you t- tell us a little bit about what the organization is and what it is that you do? Yeah, of course. So it's our community initiative of Forsake. So Forsake, um, we do a few different things. But For Gamers' Sake is our community angle um and i was working in industry for about two years um mostly as a freelance managing talent but then for gamer sake for me said i grew up in southeast london where there was a lot of social issues and and gang crime and knife crime and was was um was was really was issues in the area so um across southeast london so i wanted to way of and i started to understand how the impact gaming had on me i think i was too young to really understand that it was more than just a game, um, but the industry really helped me change that. Um, so for me, having a gaming console, I'll, 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 I'll say it all the time, it actually changed my life. Like If I didn't have a gaming console and I weren't in my house safe, I would have been on my local estate or my local outside my house playing with, with my friends and probably getting into stuff I shouldn't. Um, so it took me away from their influences. Um, so I wanted to create, um, and alongside my business partner, Michael, um, who's actually my family member, we came together and we we started realizing how can we really sort of keep young people off the street. I said, we understand gaming isn't cheap, like gaming consoles are, are expensive. There's a lot of gaming poverty. And um, how can we really create a, a hub that creates a safe space for young people to come along and just have a few hours where they can play video games, um, meet new people or play with their friends. Um, so we started to roll that out, free pop-up gaming events um, across Peckham, where I, I grew up in Southeast London. And then we started to expand that. Um, and then, unfortunately, there was a lockdown around the corner. Um, so we started in 2019, November. And then we done about 15 events. And then a lockdown hit. And from that angle, we were quite puzzled on what we wanted to do because like, it was all good planning online events and doing Zoom and, and stuff like that. Um, but our events really cater to young people that didn't have access to gaming consoles at home. Um, so doing Zoom or doing online tournaments, we couldn't actually reach out to that them young people that we 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 wanted to cater for and um, have give accessibility for. So um, we played around with the idea, and then see as soon as we were allowed to, we went straight back out and done events um, and and started partnering with schools, colleges, and started doing workshops and kind of turned it more from just free gaming events. Because my biggest issue, and and, and Michael, my business partner, big was once they come to our event, it's all good that they're there and we're keeping them safe and they're getting to play video games. But what happens when they leave? They go back to that same environment and, and and they've not got access to gaming and they're really big fans of it. So we started to create this platform for us where we were, um, how can we bring them to our events to really add value or allow or put them or give them advice or put them in, in touch with conversations and, and, and businesses that might be able to help them build a career in this? Because I, I go back to my point, um, 
gaming is more than just a video game, right? It, it's a career, it's a game changer, excuse my pun, um, but it can really change your, your future and um, the amount of career paths in it at the moment. I think a lot of young people don't understand that. They think you just need to be a professional gamer or a content creator, but you could be a podcaster, you could be an event manager, content uh, videographer, photographer. Do you know what I mean? There's so many different career paths that come into this world that I think a lot more young people need to be, and parents need to be educated yes. about. That's 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 the initiative. So, is it more boys or girls or mixed? Uh, it's a mixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, we do as much as we can to really get more females into into games. Uh, I, I say boys or girls because I'm picturing them being younger. I mean, maybe they're they're a little bit older. I don't mean to. Oh, no, so we would do two events. So we would try to do an event in the day where it would be for a younger audience under eighteen, and then in the later and evening we'll do an event over eighteen where the game titles would be eighteen plus. Um, and we'd have FIFA and Mario Kart and your sort of casual pickup games as well. Um, but we wanted to cater to both. Uh, and we also done some weekend events for the whole day where a mixture of different ages could come. Um, we just didn't, we wanted everyone to get involved really. It goes back to our bringing the community together through gaming. We just wanted to bring everyone, no matter um, how young or how old you are, we just wanted everyone to come into the space and um, I really enjoy playing games. What was the um, ethnic background of people in that area? Did, were there a lot of people from... Uh... From other cultures, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite mixed. Yeah, because I'm just not familiar with the with the, with the with the areas there. Yeah, it's very mixed in um, where we are in London. I think London is quite a diverse um, area, and um, so yeah, it was it was a mixture of of backgrounds, um, and, and and what it was people that have come from maybe such a disadvantaged backgrounds, people that have come from advantage, but like it was just such a be able to bring them all together. We we found it so rewarding, um, and and I still see people now like. Like people message us, even though we, we've not done an event in in Peckham for for a while, because we focus more in the schools and the colleges now. Um, but that is an initiative we look to bring back. But um, yeah, I, people message us and just see like I can see people that I came to our first event now got a career in gaming, and it's like it's just like that's kind of hopefully where that where like they've they've really springed on from when we first met them um, and gone on to really understand that this could be a this could be a future for them. Well, good good for you because I th- think I saw one of your little videos that uh maybe on twitter or something you're talking about having an event and you had like six screens and a couple of consoles yeah. and a hundred people yeah. show up and it's like yeah, yeah. Now, now now what do we do sort of thing but that's that's how you that was, our, that was our first event i was actually borrowing consoles off my friends and um i was like can i just borrow it for one night like you can come pick it up after and um i was borrowing screens and it was just yeah it was um it, it was, it was, but you know, it was a good problem to have um, because when I realized the numbers, it was like, I can't stop this. The impact this is going to have is is, is going to be great. So um, yeah, it's, it pushed us on. I think that actually pushed us on. If we had an event, it's quite, obviously we would have kept on trying to do what we can, but when you do an event and, and no one turns up, it's kind of like, is this what people want? And you kind of question yourself. So I'm glad that we were oversubscribed and we had more people there, but uh, the young people understood. I think they just appreciated that they could actually go on and have a go. Um so yeah. No, it's great. And the other thing I like hearing you talk about is it not only lets the, the players, the kids know, the younger people know that esports is a, can be a career, gaming can be a career, but also just the parents. It also informs the parents because so often the parents are, are the ones that are like, what's that crazy stuff you're doing there? It's like that's that's never gonna go anywhere, sort of thing. I want to talk a little bit about here about your sponsors, because I also think I saw a couple of videos with Barclays involved there. So who are the part, can you describe the partners that have come, that you have recruited and how you made that happen? Uh, well, yeah, Barclays were, were someone that I've always supported in terms of like, uh, I think the, t- the team are over there are great. Um, I'll, I'll specifically shout out Elaine from Barclays. Uh, she's always been supportive of what we do and she heads up esports at Barclays and um, she gave us a platform to really talk about our story. Sorry, um, sorry, and- sorry to interrupt there. Sorry to interrupt. Can you describe? You say Barclays has an esports division, has an esports group. Could you describe what that is? Yeah, yeah. So Barclays are. I think they want to. In, in there, there, there's certain sort of different elements what they want to do, but they look to really promote the industry um, and really try help it. I imagine commercialize in terms of promoting it for events and trying to bring the industry together. Like they they do a lot of um, game publishers events and really bring indie games people together so they can all collaborate and let people see their games. So I think they're from an early gaming cycle, they tried to provide a platform. Um, but I also, um, on the other angle, because um, they also want to provide a solution that helps gamers, you've got to think there's a lot of young professional athletes out there that can go from 
zero prize money to a million dollars prize money right in one tournament so it's the whole wellness and mental health that i think they try to fill the void of um and just let these professional gamers and 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 these content creators that they're not alone and if they need wealth management or investment advice i think they want to provide that that plug-in and solution to 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 really help these these games got it hey so i didn't mean to disrupt uh derail your story but but I, I, one of the one of the stories that I keep trying to tell her over and over again in this season is how did people go out there and get a partnership so that it can inspire other people to be you know maybe they maybe they don't have Barclays in their neighborhood but maybe they have another organization so so yeah sorry if you could, the more you can talk about that how that how you made that happen that'd be great of course yeah no so um, my first thing I recommend is use LinkedIn. Um, and I think everyone in this call might agree that LinkedIn has been so powerful to growing a network, right? And um, being able to connect with people so so informally and formally on that platform is it's helped me massively. But when it goes out to getting sponsorship, because it's a lot of what we do on the influencer side, is that I I, I essentially just reach out to to to, to people. It's kind of like obviously with purpose. Um, I don't just want to spam people's emails, but like if I think I've got something that I think this brand would be a good fit for. Or I, I just reach out. I, I, I send emails. Um, I said it, it, it's, it's a lot. Like it started as a lot of cold emails. I just wanted to be in the room. I just wanted to be considered, and I wanted to to really let them know what I'm doing. Um, if they if they don't reply, then on to the next, and we keep trying to catch up with them because we know people are busy. But um, I think you just got to just try go for it and just do as much as you can to reach out to to people. I said like you're you're not going to get anywhere just stand sitting there and, and not trying to be proactive in the market. Um, just just be out there and try echo your story and what you're doing as much as possible would be my would be my advice. So, and what what yeah. kind of time frame does it usually take um, in, in getting a sponsor like that that's been in your experience? Ah, the the million dollar <laughs> the million dollar it could change so much, um, but I, we get asked like it, it it all depends on on the activation and the campaign. Like, and they could a sponsorship could be turned around in 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 two weeks. It can take a year two years um it just depends on how quick that brand wants to move and and if it makes sense at that time um like we work with brands that we first had a meeting with about a project back in 2020 and we haven't activated it till till this year because it's just not been the right time or things have changed or budgets have been held back and 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 and, and it just it all depends on on the timing of, of the brand but i don't think you can actually put a fixed time on a sponsorship um I think you just need to put, if you've got the solution um, and they believe in that solution, then you've just got to put, do as much as you can to, to get that over the line and, and make sure it's beneficial for all parties. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't put a time on it, to be honest. It, it varies so much, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Chole in Zambia, she had a good quote. She was like, your urgency is not their urgency. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like, if, you're, if you, you need the money right now, but they're not, they're not going to necessarily... It'd be very unusual for them to be in the same same group. Baba, Baba, back in uh, in Senegal, the the program that that Kieran is describing there with Gamer Sake, Gamer Gamer, I'm going to say this right here. Sorry, um, <laughs> for Gamer Sake, for Gamer Sake with a with a four for the A. I mean, we'll put put it in the notes, but no one ever reads notes. It's like for Gamer Sake. So, um, ba- Baba, are there um, organizations like that that you're aware of in in your part of the world? Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really inspired by his stories because it reminds me the first, uh, where, where we were, where we were, what we, um, when we were beginning our, our activities in, in Senegal. Uh, as, I, as I talk later, like we, we started an association called Sen Games and we were doing community events. And it was exactly the same process, like looking for uh, sponsors, looking for uh, looking a way to b- borrow consoles, TVs, and make them even great. Inviting some girls, because in in Africa it's really tough to have young girls or girls to to come to play because you know that there's a lot of stuff going on inside the social part and and the parents also the parents and yeah uh it was a a, 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 a real challenge a real challenge for us a, a real journey for us but thank god i think we uh, we were doing events we were doing activities and from that there, there was some sponsor who were, who were really interesting on how what we were doing and how we were doing the, the process the way and the fact that we were small First, but we was professional. The, the way it was working, we had truly passionate people inside the association that really work 
uh, and that really wanted gaming to to, to grow real quick in, uh, in 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 Senegal. And from that, we uh, we started having some great talents on different games, FIFA, Call of Duty, a lot of games. And the talent, we were we we have uh, different uh, reflections on the way that uh, we can help them. Uh, going fast and create maybe a carrot. So we start creating them Twitter account, Facebook account, and make sure that they have some visibility every time they do events and they win the they 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 won the events. They they have to um, uh, they have to uh, com- communicate on 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 that perspective. And it was truly interesting. And from that we decided to create a small club and to uh, like to give them um, yeah some some chances to have more exposure because uh, we knew that Twitter was the way because. Every time somebody retweet, you don't know where it goes. So anybody can see it. So we, you don't know. Uh, you, you can have a chance uh, from that. So um, uh, we had a chance when we went to Ivory Coast to the uh, Cidic Bakayoko events, uh, the Feja. Uh, our, our youngest player, uh, I remember he was 16 when he won the first Feja on FIFA. There was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of crowd. There was a lot of noise. And uh, we struggled a lot to, uh, to, 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 to uh, move him to the... To, to Ivory Coast, to Abidjan. And, and after that, parents, all the friends, all the family was truly happy about the performance and how did he manage to, to win the tournament. And we have a connection with the French embassy of Senegal that have saw the, the information on, on Twitter, uh, all the lot of noises, and they decide to uh, suggest us uh, if we are capable to create a national esports team that can go abroad, have uh, enough budget to go abroad, to uh, make competition, international competition, and maybe put Senegal on the map and Africa on the map as well. And we start working on the project. And uh, this, pra- this, um, this process or this work help us create solo esports. And um, uh, today we have solo esports. We have, uh, we have a big space. Uh, and in this space, we have great um, next generation council. We have PCs, we have monitors. We are doing some, a little bit business. We are selling merch and uh, we are sending our players to go abroad to, yeah, to, to make it to international events. Yeah. So Solo Esport has, has a venue has a location? Absolutely. We have a location. We are based in, uh, in a city uh, called uh, Yoff City Biagi. And um, yeah, we have a location there and we can host events. We can uh, let allow uh, play, uh, people to come here to visit or to come here to pay to play. So basically, it's like a gaming lounge, but it also it's like a complex because we also have a pool. We have also a gym, a gym, uh, a gym room where people gym space where people can go and uh, yeah train because it's important to uh, ally sports and 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 and, and esports to combine them. It's really important. Uh, yeah, definitely. Now we're talking to we, we talked a couple of weeks ago with uh, John Satterley in Australia, Fortress Esports, and he's talking about the venues that they're creating there, and they're just like monster. I mean, they're just like huge. I mean, it's just. It's just amazing. They have a little bit different approach on, on what they're doing there, but but it's, it's still all tied back into uh, into esports. So so solo esports, you have the venue, and then you also have focused on teams or events. Do you have your own events? Uh, I think we are doing both. We are focusing on teams, how to build strong teams. Because in um, at solo esports, we have coaches. We recruit coaches, and the coaches are um, uh, basically they are players. They were players back in the days. They won competition. They have experience on. Uh, um, I'm not gonna say international stage, but continental stage because they went to Morocco. They went to Ivory Coast to compete, so they have experience. So they can share the experience with the with the players. They can uh, share some good strategies with the players because we wanted that. We wanted players to be professional, and um, we have. Uh, if you want, we have uh, 15 players. And uh, five of them are getting paid every month. They, 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 they're having money to practice, to compete, to go abroad, to compete, to represent Senegal on this kind of stuff. Because we truly believe on, on, on these players. And we know that they are talented because they have a lot of things to prove. Also, we have 10 players that are uh, not paid, but they have jersey, they have coaches, and we are uh, doing uh, communication on, on, on their performance because we are helping them. Because uh, all, all these uh, 10 players not, uh, are not in Senegal, actually. So they are in different parts of the world, but they're Senegalese. Because so, we wanted to create maybe different different. Uh, different section of games. So we have uh, 
uh, five players on uh, two players on FIFA. We have one place on Mora Comba, one place on Gear Gear Strive, and also one place on Tekken. We also have a team on PUBG Mobile. The mobile game, the mobile gaming is getting really big in Africa, so we wanted to be in uh, absolutely. And also, we are building a team on League of Legends because we truly believe that League of Legends is a really popular game. And if you want to reach different audiences, we have to be there. Sure. And uh, after we uh, we are helping the players to grow, to have more experience and to practice a lot and to participate to competition. Also at Solo Esport, if uh, we knew that if we wanted to create a business as a true business, we needed to look for different business models. So we are hosting events. So it can be private events or events uh, uh, commanded from uh, ordered from uh, from uh, from a brand. It can be orange. Uh, telecom brand, it can be Pepsi, it can be different brands. Also, we are we are renting the the, the space. If somebody wants to host in his own event, he can come pay the uh, rent the space uh, rent the space to, to 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 use it. Also, we are looking for partners or so partner put them in the jersey, give them exposure on different events, all this kind of stuff. Also, we have uh, what we call a game pass. The game pass is to allow people to come to uh, to to pay for one hour, two hour, five hour. 20 hours and to play those who use our consoles, our PC, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's great. All kinds, all kinds of things there. So, so Kieran, for, for Gimmer's sake, you, you, you don't have a dedicated location, right? Uh, we don't know. Um, we kind of sort of space ourselves around. Um, I said that the dream would be to one day have a hub um, where young people can come to and, and really interact with it. But um, we're kind of enjoying the space. Obviously we, we, we travel up and down the country um to to talk to tap into different communities and and help other other young people but yeah i said being having a hub would uh would would uh is definitely on the on the bucket list yes yes when the money starts rolling in when you get the big when you get the big sponsorships uh coming in out there do you find in uh kieran in the uh kieran in the um the events that you're creating is language ever come up as an issue of people um speaking different languages and having that being a challenge in the events? Honestly, not that I've really come across. Um, yeah, just curious, think, just curious. Yeah, yeah, I think coming, being in London, I think um, it's so it's so much cultured that um, I think a lot of people understand English to an extent um, or able to speak it. Um, so in the time of doing events, I haven't had um, any language barriers or people not being able to communicate due to language. But um, yeah, I imagine it does happen as um, there's, there's so many people coming together from around the world, but uh, not 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 I face. No. No, I, I'm just curious because I know that Bob is like uh, Bob is, has a huge challenge there because he's in West Africa, which speaks French. And then it's, when I was in Morocco, I got to use more of my college French in Morocco than I've ever had, uh, you know, anywhere else. And then you know, uh, with 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 so much of the rest of Africa speaking English. So how do you, how do you handle different languages there, Baba? Um, in Senegal, we find because most of the players are speaking French, so it's good. But when we want to connect to different countries like Ghana, Nigeria, uh, we have challenge because they they speaking English, but different English. So uh, the way that Ghana speak English is different from the way that uh, on uh, from the way that uh, Nigeria is speaking English. They have accent on their English, and sometimes they are using local language inside. So sometimes uh, you can get lo- you get lost uh, on on some different words. And also in 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 Morocco, in North Africa, you can uh, you can find out that there is different uh, uh, small challenge on the on the on the language barrier because you have a lot of people speaking Arabic, but the Arabic's uh, language are different. Uh, but the chance they have is they can uh, stream, do events, and speak only Arabic, and maybe write it, write it on, on on social media. But in our case, we are looking forward to speak more English because we want to hit more, uh, more, more people in more countries. And uh, last time I was discussing with somebody from uh, Uganda called Ivan. He he had a he had an esport club called uh, Arudem Gaming. Uh, shout out to them. And um, he was telling me that in his country, the main language is English, but uh, all the players are speaking the local language. So it's a real challenge to do streaming and to speak English because they not really understand English. So there's a lot of language barrier in, in Africa, and it's really tough. So every time I think about making an esports, a big esports event in Africa, I'm like, 
what language are we using? Are we doing co-casting and using French and English? Because we know that they, these languages are the more popular. Or are we maybe, are we gonna, are we going to, um, to, to stick to English? Because we know that we can attract maybe more people, maybe the international audiences and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough process. Uh, I, the hardest thing ever was in Australia. You get Australians talking to each other and they start talking really, really fast. It's just like, you know, we, we, we were clueless. We were clueless there. Kieran, you've also worked with um, influencers, you were saying. What kind of work were you, have you been doing with them? So for Gamer's Sake and for Sake, see, um, together as see, for Gamer's Sake being for Sake's community initiative. Um, but for Sake is an influencer and talent management organization. So we um we manage content creators uh streamers professional esports athletes and we're traditionally an, an agency uh and a management team behind this talent um to really help evolve and elevate and and, and sort of work on their brand as you know obviously content creators are are the best at creating content and using their creative freedom to to really make some great content but they they might not be so good on on partnership activ- act- or they might not have time to do partnership acquisition or sponsorship activations and um managing stuff that doesn't have to do with their content um so what we what we found is that we wanted to be the pillar behind them we wanted to give them a team that they could have access to um where they're not on their own as a content creators it can be a very lonely space being a pro esports athlete um and, and mental health um is a, is a huge thing and we wanted to be that that sort of platform behind them that that helped them really they bring an idea to us. They want to launch merchandise. We go make it happen. Um, we find the suppliers. We work on that for them. So really allowing them to focus on what they do best, and that is creating content or playing in esports tournaments. Um, so yeah, that is that is our that is our agency, our arm. So we focus on, I said, brand activation, um, sponsorship and partnership acquisition. Um, also finding them teams and organisations to collaborate with and partner with um and, and just everything else to to what they do i said we get different requests from them every day is it merch they want to be on more podcasts they want to make more public appearances they want to there's so many different sort of requests that they give but we want to be that person where they put their hand up or they reach out and they go i want to do this because um i said it could be quite a lonely place when you t- when you press that live button off or you come off that gaming console um you're essentially on your own right so um, yeah, I, I think just providing that level of support to allow them to do what they do best. That's when we were um, when we were talking with um, with uh, Christian Bishop at Twitch. He was like, he wanted to become a, he wanted to know what it's like to be a streamer. So he became a streamer for a few months. He goes, he goes, man, that was work. He was he was just like he was drained at the end. He said for him, it just wasn't any fun. He just didn't get the 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 benefit of doing it. It was just so much work and he was making some reasonable money at it but it was just like man it was just it was just a job out there which sounds like a lot what you're describe uh what you're experiencing it's definitely a job like i said our our, our clients schedules change so much some of them are doing it full-time some of them have a job so and they have a full-time job outside of doing the streaming so like it could be a case of they they stream from eight till two and then from 2 p.m they work until 10 and then they get home and then they've got to get back up and like in that time, it's quite impossible. When you're streaming, you've got to make TikToks, you've got to make YouTube videos, you've got to do your editing, you've got to do your reaching out, you've got to you've got to speak with other content creators and really build your community. You've got to speak to your community, like interact with your followers, and it's it's a lot of work. Like obviously, for the people that have it full time, they have a bit more time, but they're still 12, 14 hour days. Like I, some of our clients, like I, 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 there's no point messaging them before 12 o'clock in the afternoon because they've been up since four. So they're not going to be answering their phones until two o'clock because they've been working all night, um, streaming or making content um, and trying to make as much happen in the in the hours they do have. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of work. I, I tried to do it in lockdown, um, and I bought a I bought a setup, and I was like, I'm going to stream, like I'm going to be the next big streamer, like Mr. Beast, I'm, I'm coming for you. Um, um, and and I just got to a point when I was like, I want to make content because I think I I really want to do it, but. The time and effort it took, I was like, I can't do this while working and uh, and doing other things. So it took a back burner. But one day I will make my content journey. Now, if I ask you questions you don't want to answer, just dance around them and we'll keep going. But in your agency, and I'm not talking about how much you're making, but what are the revenue streams? Where does an agency make money? Do you make money on when this when a sponsor sponsors uh, an influencer? 
so yeah, it, it is majority around sort of taking a fee from a a activation or a sponsorship campaign. Um, kind of as you would like. And to be fair, the model I caught a come together, I know agencies have been around for long, but my recruitment days I was taking, if I got a candidate a job, I would take 20%. So it kind of still mirrors me to, if I get one of my clients a brand deal or a, or a brand working with them and that client is paying 10K, we manage the whole activation, negotiation, legal, making sure that everything goes through. So the client just has to really focus on the activation. And then obviously we take a percentage of that. So um, yeah, it, that is probably the main revenue stream. I said, if they go into an esports team or, or they go into employment with a team, like actually esports team signing them, there's different clauses because we'll be managing their whole life in that team, uh, their whole journey. So it will be everything from just managing their whole day to day with that team. So the fees can change, but um, mostly on sponsorship activation um, is where is where the revenue is, is driven by. It is usually, you don't charge the influencer up front so the influencer doesn't pay a fee up front to then be represented by you everything's just uh you only make money when they make money sort of thing yeah that's and you know is i i say it to new clients and current clients and we it's in our best interest to do what we can for you and, and really try to push your brand out there as much as possible and get as much through the, the we try to get as much done as for you in terms of partnerships because uh, if you win we win and we only win if you win. So it's kind of like you make money, we make money. Um, so I said, we're, we've got their best interest at heart to to try and make as much happen within reason, um, and which makes sense to, to to really try and monetize their brand. Do you, uh, do you find sponsors for podcasts? Uh, funny enough, we uh, <laughs> we've done some stuff. We've done some stuff with a sports podcast recently, um, which is doing great things here in the UK. It's the Yours Man Away podcast, which is hosted by uh, a goalkeeper. But we, um, do you know, what? It's, it's it's interesting the podcast space, uh, Tom. So maybe that's a separate conversation um, because I find the the podcast marketing so fascinating that it's different content. It's, it's, I don't know, you get range, different range of guests on. It's like, and I think the insights you can provide into in a podcast is is, is stuff you don't get in other forms of content. So. Um, I'm really, really interested in the podcast. It's actually on my list and agenda. I'm trying to read up more on podcast marketing. Uh, hey, we should talk. We should talk. We could, we could. Yeah, uh, definitely not the experts here, but we're a whole lot smarter than we were six months ago. There's another organization that that uh, that um, Christian Bishop brought up called Sponsors United. Have you ever heard of them? I've had some conversation with them in the past. Because yeah. they they've got a, a huge database out there in all kinds of, of, uh, cause yeah. they, they, they're bigger in music and, um, music and, uh, traditional sports than esports. But when you think of being able to go on there and say, okay, well, who is sponsored, you know, these kinds of events sort of, where, where's the money going right now? It can give you a lot of good ideas. Do you ever, do you ever sponsor, uh, esports teams in, uh, Senegal? Um, sorry, I did not hear the the question. Oh yeah, I was asking Kieran if he ever uh, sponsors esports teams in Senegal. Uh, oh, um, uh, so we've seen some brands do some stuff, and I think Bob will be able to tell us more about like activating in in Africa and and doing some stuff. But me personally, I haven't done um, any sponsor activations within within Senegal, but um, doesn't mean that that won't change. Great, great. So, Bob, what's your, what's your sponsorship story? Oh, uh, our sponsorship story started from um, the, the the French embassy of Senegal. Uh, since they decided to finance the the, the 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 to fund the project in the in the beginning, they gave us uh, money for two years, and we spent the money building the team, uh, having a venue, and paying the rent, all this kind of stuff. And um, since we start the 2022 years, we don't have any fund any base fund like from the from the very beginning so we are going on on our own we are using our own and uh, from now we have uh, small sponsors but they're giving a little bit money uh, in exchange of on, on some activation uh, now we have the uh, a bank called the Société Générale um, they, they are basing in France but they have a lot of structures in different countries in Africa and um, yeah, I think they also have an, an esports team called uh, called Gamers Origin. They are based in France, and they are doing a lot of, lot of competition. They are really popular, and we having we are having money from them, uh, just a sh- little money from from them, to be honest. And also, we have um, uh, a transport company that every time we have a competition, we are we are going abroad. Uh, they can drive us to the airport for free in exchange for some visibility on on our social media. Also, we have a sponsor, but they um they they didn't it it the, 
I think it can. It's the it's the it's the most interesting sponsor because it's from the government of Senegal. They are they, that's the structure called Three uh, FPT. They are working on how to professionalize how to professionalize uh, some activities, some uh, uh, works, uh, and 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 help every um, people, every people that didn't have the chance to to go to school to uh, perform on the their, their their daily basis activities and 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 grow up. So they decide to support us. In exchange of some some training, so we we are giving professional trainings about uh, every work around esports or gaming. So every time uh, we can give trainings on 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 streaming, on how to be a good marketer on esports, on how to be better on different games, because we truly believe that yes, there is esports, there is some talent, but everybody cannot be uh, esports professional players. So we have to look for different. Uh, Different jobs and make sure that these jobs are maybe uh, more, uh, yeah, more easy to, to to access. So we are giving trainings also at Solo Esports, and they are giving us money uh, in exchange of that. And so now we are seeking for uh, other sponsors, but uh, every time it's really tough because they want one shot activities, one shot activation, but they don't uh, want to support the full project or to give a big mm. fund that can help you maybe to be sustainable for two years, three years, you see. Mm. So it's a different process. That's why every time we are going to a competition, I always came to you and ask you if you know somebody, who know somebody. Because I think I've learned a lot mm. into this journey. Uh, um, the first time we met and first time we discussed and you told me that if you don't ask, you don't have. Since that, I'm, I'm starting thinking about every time I have the chance to discuss or network with somebody and I ask, uh, are you interesting on esports? Are you interesting on Africa? Do you want to do something? Because because we have something, you know, that, that that's a crazy process. But looking for sponsors in Africa, it's really well. This one of the things I was uh, talking to Eniola Idan at Gamer Africa, I think last week, and just talking about how important it is, in particular, that that people like you, you know, um, when you're talking to people outside of Africa, can can bring your African story to the to the conversation. Because that's something that sets you apart from other people. Hey, we, we can go on and on. I don't want to take take your whole whole nights here because it's night where you are, not where I am. Uh, but one quick question that we always ask everyone, and I'll just have just a short answer from each of you: um, Should the Olympics include uh, esports in their official program? How about you, Baba? Uh, I think yes. I think now we we are sure that esports is uh, becoming big. It's getting big every year, and uh, we can definitely confirm that esports is becoming a strong sports but the the question the real question is how the process is how because we, we we all know that sport uh, doesn't belong to anybody but esports belong to editors so they have to have definitely conversation with editors make sure that they are picking the right games because i do know that you cannot play counter-strike or call of duty on on, on olympic games yeah, so you, th- you don't think mortal Kombat is going to make the cut i'm not sure because <laughs> there are a lot of blood you know <laughs> people will get crazy sure um so we um on, on the select on, on the process of selecting games i think it's really important and on the process of including uh every country because we are talking about international olympic games because we got to make sure that Africa is involved. We got to make sure that MAI is involved. We got to make sure that Europe and every, every, every continent are, um, uh, are, are involved on, in, into, that, into that process, into that discussions. But yeah, it's, it's all about looking for the great games, picking the great games, and making sure that the rules, the process, or the way to participate to the tournament is uh, maybe easy and can help every country to, 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 to be on board and join. Yeah. How about you, Kieran? Do you think the Olympics should include uh, esports? I know the Commonwealth Games, they're in your part of the world. It yeah. 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 Included them. Uh, that was, that was in Burma. I think it's a, more of a question. Uh, it's more of a, they, uh, I think they have no choice coming up. I think um, the, the younger generation are interacting with gaming more than they are other sports. Um, so if you really want to, grow that audience of people watching the Olympics in five to 10 years time. I think gaming or esports has to play a part of, of that competition um, purely down to the fact that that's where the interest lies now. And that's what people want to see how they, I said, go back to Barbara's point, how they structure it, what games they pick. Um, I'm sure will be a big debate um, on making sure they choose the right games. Um, I think the Commonwealth games did a great way of showcasing esports. Uh, and we had some great professionals from, from the UK 
really showcase themselves. Um, if they can do it, let's, let's let's try to do it on more of a world scale um, and try to get more countries and, and more continents involved. Um, but yeah, I think like the games that we pick, I think they want to go for the friendly games um, and still keep it quite sports. But I said, um, if they can, let's try to put in as many of the big esports titles as possible because that is where esports lives and breathe. But then let's also put in the casual ones that a lot of young people that are not professional gamers would understand and get to because I watch a League of Legends game and I'm starting to get it now, but it kind of blew my mind a little bit what happens in them games. So it'd be good to have games in, in Olympics which are easy on the eye, easy to understand. Um, and examples being FIFA, Rocket League, um, stuff like that that are really quite easy to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really good to understand and really build that that, that engagement for the more casual audience um, that are, that wins. Yeah, when I used to go to, when I started going to the Blizzard Arena here in Burbank to watch Overwatch League, to watch all their games, and it's like, I'd always see if I could sit by like a father and his kid because mm. <laughs> then the kid could explain to me what the heck was going on <laughs> because otherwise I'm just like, ah, this is really pretty, but it's like, uh, you know, starting out, you know, it's like, and the little kids are like, right, right. yeah, they, they can explain, you know, oh, look at that, you know, uh, it, it, it meant something more to them. So, um, so overwhelming, so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it is. And also, we were talking to uh, Mouth Mins, uh, just l- listen to his recording before we release it here. And he had an interesting point in that the Olympics, men watch the Olympics for the competition, they watch it for who wins. Women watch the Olympics for the stories of the athletes. And it's like, it's like, hmm. so it, it, it's like, if you're depending on what kind of audience you want to attract, he was also saying that, um, that, uh, if you want to attract fe- a female audience, go, don't just have female teams. Female, f- women don't necessarily want to watch other women, uh, you know, only playing. What they want to watch is they want to watch, um, um, they want to hear the stories of the athletes where, where guys are just like, no, we just want to see who beats the crap out of someone else. And, and, and who wins there. So, hey, I'm going to wrap this up here because, like I said, I could, I could keep going. Some really interesting things here. So, first with you, Kieran, are you looking for people to get involved with for Gamer's Sake? Yeah, I'm. I, so we're looking for as many people to collaborate virtually, uh, in person as possible. So we've got a lot of exciting plans uh, for Gamer's Sake and the community initiative. Um, so looking to do a link up. So Baba, maybe we catch up after this and, and we see how there's synergy there and, and, and how we can really work together. But same with you, Tom, like, yeah, 100%. Like, I, I think what I've learned from this industry is just every conversation's got to be had. And and, and, uh, and if something doesn't happen right now, maybe it happens in a year's time, six months time. But I, I, I think networking and speak to as many people as possible, because I think Baba... Like if you, if I don't know if I don't if, if he doesn't know somebody asked you you might know someone that knows someone and then, and it just kind of builds that whole synergy of of networking building relationships so happy to have any conversations and and see what projects can can come off the back of that that'd be great so Bob what's the best way to get a hold of you and see what you're up to um, yes I think absolutely we are we are always looking for uh, for sponsors to be honest and we are looking for uh, people that our interest on, on esports, maybe in Africa, because we have different plans. And now I think in solo esports, in the, in the upcoming years, we are planning maybe to expand more, to have maybe uh, more, more players and maybe African players because we want to be an African team and not only a Senegalese team. We want to expand a lot. So looking for big sponsors, absolutely. Every time I think every night I'm working on my deck and trying to do some pitches, you know, <laughs> I think it's, it's really important. And like, like Kieran said, I'm definitely open to network more and uh, discuss with more people. And um, it's like that. It's a, it's a tough journey, but we, we are on and, and we will keep going for sure. But to me, that's the fun part. It's like the connections, like you never know when, where, you know, something's going to go, something's not going to go. It's like, who knows? But uh, just being out there talking. Hey, both of you, it's really great. I really appreciate you spending a little bit, bit of time here. So this is the Gamers Change Lives podcast, season two, follow the money. Thanks for listening. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Baba. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, thanks for having us. Bye. Thanks for having me. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded and so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at gamerschangelivespodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, 
change lives. Thanks for listening.